And uh, this week, the book of Colossians. Um, this is a, a congregation that Paul is writing a letter to. <clears throat> Although he'd never seen them, he wasn't instrumental in starting the church, which is unusual to many of the letters that he wrote. But a man that Paul um, was instrumental in leading to the Lord, Epaphras, who probably came to know the Lord at the work in Ephesus, went back to his hometown, Colossae, and he was used to start a work in Colossae that was a strong work, and and there were many good reports that were given about the, the group of believers in Colossae. But Epaphras saw some things that were developing in the church, and he made a trip from Colossae to Rome, about a 1,000 to 1,300 miles, depending on which way he went, to talk to Paul about these. Paul was his mentor. Paul was in prison in Rome. Um, Epaphras went to talk to Paul about these matters. It wasn't that there were problems already, major problems, like in the church at Corinth, but this was, this was more like preventative medicine, so to speak. So out of that visit that Epaphras had with Paul, Paul sat down and he wrote this letter to the believers in Colossae. He wanted to encourage them. He um, wanted to warn them. In essence, he said to them, you know, I've, I've heard of your faith. I hear you are really great people. Um, but beware. Don't let anybody trick you. Don't let anybody beguile you, deceive you with some false teachings in particular about Jesus Christ. And so that's what we have here. Uh, holding up the preeminence of Christ. And then, as Paul's letters do, the first couple chapters deal with doctrine. The last couple chapters of the book deal the practical outworking of the doctrine in our, in our lives. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9 of Colossians chapter 1. He'd given them the greeting, and in verse 9 he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard of it, heard of their faith he's referring to, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father, who hath qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints 
in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a minister. So Paul lays down a foundation here for the believers, and And you will find, as you read through and have been reading through Colossians, that this book centers on Jesus Christ. And and there were issues that were um, in danger of these believers believing that um, you needed Christ, but you needed um, a vast amount of knowledge. Much of the church at Colossae were not Jewish. They were Gentile. They had a great respect for Greek um, Greek culture. And in Greek culture, knowledge was highly esteemed. So there was a danger that was coming in that, yeah, Christ is important, but you need all this knowledge. There was also a danger that was coming in that, was teaching, you know, all that matters is the spiritual. Anything material, our bodies, the material, it doesn't matter. And and they were teaching that um, in order to be a true Christian, you need to you needed to have go about and dress in a manner that really showed great humility, that you needed to, to bring your body and, and, in essence, deny your body. And there, there, is, there is truth that we need to, um, as we talked this morning in Sunday school, uh, the body needs to be subject to the mind and the mind to the spirit. But they acted like anything of the body was not of God, and and they would emphasize these things that you had to do in order to to be a good Christian. 
And and really, it it minimized, it downplayed the work of Jesus Christ. We need to understand Satan's work is always to separate us from Christ. Number one, if he can keep us from ever coming to Christ, ever coming to faith in Jesus Christ, he will do that. And he's been very effective around the world today in doing that, in providing many, many substitutes. But if he cannot keep someone from calling upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and and giving their life to him, he will then seek to get us distracted so that Christ isn't the central part of our life, that Christ is in our life. And he is content in doing that, getting us to follow after many good things, but we lose sight of Jesus Christ. And Paul is calling back. God is using Paul to call back these believers and reminding them, don't let anything take the place of Jesus Christ. And so he calls our attention to a number of things. First of all, he calls their attention to the fact that Christ is the originator and the sustainer of all things. We read in verse 16, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. He created all things, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and all things were created for him. So he establishes that. Now, when you come to see the beautiful leaves and the beautiful sunrises and the beautiful white snow that we got this last week, everything that you see in this world was created by God. There are just, in, it's limitless, the amazing wonders that God has created. But understand that Jesus Christ is the creator and the sustainer of all things. And he says, He is before all things, verse 17, and by him all things consist. There are so many things that our minds can't wrap around, but um, the very fact that God created these things and he is the one that holds things together. Scientists have found there are electrons and protons, but they've also found that there's something, they can't define what it is, there's something that holds these things together. So they've named them glutrons. Colossians tells us what holds things together. It's God that holds things together. I mean, all these things, I mean, the DNA of our body, it's, it's mind-boggling. The, the structure of cells, it is God that is holding these things together. And Paul, he begins by saying, hey, do not lose sight of Jesus Christ. He is the creator. 
Everything that you see is created by him, and he is the one that sustains it all. All things were made by him, and I love this part of that verse, and all things were made for him. We are not here for ourselves. You were made by God, and you were made for God. And everything in all of creation is made for God to show the glory of God. And everything that God made shows his glory except to man. And God will make us show his glory, but he's given to us the free will. And we were designed for fellowship with God and to show his glory as well. But he begins and he says, all things were made by God and for God. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. Then look in chapter 2, if you would. And notice verse 8. So here's the warning. Paul's saying, beware lest anyone deceive you or cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit. According to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So, he's saying, beware. There are people that teach different things about Jesus Christ. And one thing that they will teach is they will teach he is just he was just one of many prophets. He is just another great teacher. He is another man. He is someone that God uses, and he says, No, don't let them deceive you with that. And he said in verse nine, For in him, Jesus Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. In his body, Christ is the fullness of God. It separates him from everyone else that has ever walked the face of the earth. He is God in the body. He's the fullness of God, and and he is incarnate God, meaning he is God in the flesh. And so, that separates him from everyone else. Every false religion, every teaching, if they deny Jesus Christ is God, they are falsehood. They are to be accursed. So, he's saying, and and there was teachings at this time that were coming around, well, yeah, God was a, Jesus Christ was a manifestation of God, but we're getting manifestations and we're on the same level of God and, and we've had a word of God and, and just like Jesus was a word of God, we have a word of God. And he says, wait a minute, there is a great, great difference between any man and Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fullness of God. And he says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. So, 
Paul says, Jesus Christ is all of God and you are complete in him. God makes us complete in Christ. It's not Jesus Christ plus certain knowledge. It's not Jesus Christ plus um, fasting or bringing your body into subjection. It's not Jesus Christ and anything else. You may not feel it. You may not fully understand it. But if you have trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you have been made and you have everything you need in Jesus Christ. It's not like I can't live the Christian life because I, I haven't furthered my education. It's, it's not like I don't have a, a heritage of Christianity. No, if you have Christ, you are complete in Him. Christ restores us to fellowship with God, and that is what you were made for. So we are complete in Him. Teachings of, of false humility, of rejecting the physical nature, teachings that you need these visions, teachings that you need anything in addition to Jesus Christ are false. And Paul says, I am warning you, you are great people, he said, I've heard of your faith, but make sure you understand you don't need anything else in addition to Jesus Christ. Nothing else. In Christ alone we sang. We are complete in Christ alone. And, and the reality is, Satan wants many people to, to think that I don't have everything I need in Christ. I'm missing out. No, you have, you got the whole ball of wax. You got everything when you receive Jesus Christ as Savior. There's not some that, well, they're upper echelon believers and I'm just a low-level believer. No. Everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ has all of Jesus Christ and they are complete in Him. In receiving Jesus Christ, you receive everything that God has. We won't know the fullness of it until we see him face to face. But everything we need for this life and godliness, God has given to us. The account is given of a wealthy man and his son that um, loved to collect rare artworks. And they had an unusual collection of Great artworks of Picasso and Raphael, and and they would often discuss them. Well, when the Vietnam War broke out, the son went to war. He was very courageous. He died in battle while rescuing another soldier. The father was notified, and needless to say, he grieved deeply for his only son, About a month later, just before Christmas, there was a knock at the door, and a young man stood at the door with a large package in his hands, and he said, Sir, you don't know me, 
But I am the soldier whom your son gave his life for. He saved many lives that day. He was carrying me to safety when a bullet struck him in the heart and he died instantly. He said, I know this isn't much that I'm bringing to you. I'm not really a great artist, but I think your son would have wanted you to have this. The father opened the package, and it was a portrait of his son painted by the young man. He stared in awe at the way the soldier had captured the personality of his son. The father was so drawn to it, even the very eyes of his son, that he, his own eyes welled up in tears, and he, he profusely thanked the young man and offered to pay him for it. And the young man said, no. I could never repay you for what your son has done for me. It's a gift. The father hung the portrait over his mantle, and every time visitors came to his home, he took them to see the portrait of his son. Long before he would ever take them to see the great famous portraits and pictures that he had. A few months later, the man died, and there was a great auction to be held. He was notorious for the paintings that he had, and influential people were excited about this auction that there would be having because they knew the works that were for sale. And on the platform, the day of the auction, sat the painting of the sun. The auctioneer pounded his gavel and um, said, We'll start the bidding for the picture of the sun. Who will bid for this picture? And there was a silence. A voice from the back of the room said, We want to see the famous pictures that they have. Let's skip this one. The auctioneer persisted. He said, No. Will someone bid for this painting? Who will start the bidding? A hundred dollars, hundred dollars. Another voice angrily shouted, We didn't come to see this painting. We came to see the Van Goghs and Rembrandts. Get on with the real bids. But still the auctioneer continued. The sun, the sun, who will take the sun? Finally, a voice from the back of the room. It was the longtime gardener of the man and his son. And he said, I'll give $10 for the painting. Being poor, that's all he could afford. We have $10. Who will make it 20 Give it to him for $10. Let's move on to the others, someone shouted. They didn't want the picture of the sun. They wanted the more worthy investments of their collection. And finally, the auctioneer pounded the gavel and going once, going twice, sold for $10. A man sitting in the second row said, now let's get on with the rest of the collection. 
the auctioneer laid down his gavel and said, I'm sorry, the auction is over. What about the paintings? I'm sorry, he says. When I was called to conduct this auction, I was told of a secret stipulation in the will. I was not allowed to reveal that stipulation until this time. Only the painting of the sun would be auctioned. Whoever bought that painting would inherit the entire estate, including the paintings. The man who took the sun gets everything. And when you receive Jesus Christ, you get everything. There's nothing more that needs to be added. There's nothing more that can be added. And Paul says there will be many throughout all the ages that will seek to add. But realize this, Christ is all. Look in chapter 3 and verse 11. He says, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Do you understand all that matters is Jesus Christ? We have lived in decades where science has been elevated to the position, in essence, in many people's lives of Godhead. But Jesus Christ is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. The skeptics in our age think that um, you can't know God, that God isn't one that you can know. And Colossians tells us, that we know God because He is the visible image of the invisible God. The educated say, no, it's our, our education and our learning has evolved and we know much more than just Jesus Christ now. In chapter 2 and verse 3 it says, In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We live in an age of um, that emphasizes rehab and and going to various counseling to change things and and indeed those may have their places, but any genuine change is centered in Jesus Christ alone. You read in Colossians, you were once alienated from God. Enemies of God by the works of your flesh, he tells us. But now are you made nigh unto Christ by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't rehab people to God. You can't counsel people to God. It is only through Jesus Christ. Christ is all. We live in a world that is full of broken relationships And Colossians speaks much of relationships beginning in chapter 3 and verse 18 and on through the rest of the book. It's Jesus Christ 
that can bring genuine love to overcome hate. It's Jesus Christ alone that can bring genuine understanding. It's Jesus Christ alone that can build families and marriages and friendships. We live in a day that talks about the end of the world, preppers and climate changers and so on. Well, Paul reminded the church at Colossae that it is by faith in Jesus Christ that we have hope, that we look forward to the coming of the King. We look forward to the climax of all creation, Jesus Christ crowned King of kings and Lord of lords, and history will be resolved and everything will be made right. It's in Jesus Christ. Everything is in Jesus Christ. So it it comes back. It's easy for us to lose track of Jesus Christ. So what are the applications that we can learn from the book of Colossians? Number one, salvation is in Christ alone. I'm not going to belabor this point, but there is no church. Grace Baptist Church cannot save you. No baptism can save you, no confirmation, nothing can save you, nothing can forgive your sins except Jesus Christ. It is in Christ alone. Second application, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Christ alone is worthy of my all. That he should have the preeminence. That he should be number one, far and away number one. He, Jesus Christ is not... Christianity's mascot, that we wheel him out here every Sunday and have a rah-rah convention. Mascots, Cy and Herky have never won a football game, basketball game, wrestling match, anything. They're nothing. Jesus Christ is not the mascot of Christianity. He is it. Everything hinges on Jesus Christ. He is the one that won the victory. He is the one that we were brought to God through Jesus Christ. He is the focal point of our life, and He is to, He is worthy of our all. He is worthy of, of all preeminence. He is our life. He doesn't just save us so we can go on our way living for ourselves. He saves us to become our life. Paul said, we saw in Philippians, for me to live is Christ. In Colossians, he's saying it another way, that he should have the preeminence. Do you understand? What else are you going to live for? Live for your land? You're going to die? They're going to bury you? Somebody else is going to, going to own the land. Live for your family? It's not about family. It's about Jesus Christ. Live for your job? They may give you a bonus when you retire. 
but they'll be plugging somebody else in when you walk out the door and their life is going to go on. But when you live for Christ, anything else you live for is going to come to an end. But when you live for Christ, it is eternal. And that's why Paul's saying, don't lose sight. Don't let them get you tricked into the, the major emphasis of the Christian life are these disciplines. The disciplines are there to bring us to Christ. Don't ever lose sight of Jesus Christ. He's saying he is the preeminent one. So we need to come back and ask, is my life built around Christ? That means more than built around church. Churches come and go. Jesus Christ is forever. Build our lives around Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy of my all. Thirdly, Christ alone can transform my relationships. You'll read in Colossians, Wives, do this. Husbands, do this. Fathers, do this. Children, do this. Laborers, do this. If Christ is preeminent in our life, it will affect every relationship in our life. And he alone can affect those relationships. It isn't separate. And what Paul's saying, don't talk to me about Christ and I never see it in your marriage. Don't talk to me about Christ and I never see it in your work. Don't talk to me about Christ and I never see it in how you treat your kids or how you treat your parents. He's saying, no, Christ alone will make a difference in every one of those areas. Every relationship, Christ will make a difference. And someday... The final application, someday I will answer to Christ alone. Do you understand? It's Christ, it's Christ, it's Christ alone. Someday you and I are going to answer to Christ alone. We're going to answer, why did you love this more than me? I'm the one that created all things. I'm the one that made you complete. I am the one that revealed God to you. I am your all in all. You know, the reality is we all need to come back to make Christ what our life is about. That's revival. God, I want you to be preeminent. I want you to be my life. And I want you to transform my relationships and me. And I I understand that someday I will answer to Christ alone. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to realize the greatness of the gift of Jesus Christ. Not just to save us, but to transform our lives, to be the focal point of our life, to be our life. And Lord, I pray that the realization that someday 
we will answer to Christ alone would motivate us to live for you alone. Lord, I pray if there is one here today that has never trusted your gift of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, that today would be the day of salvation. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer here that we would be brought back to live our lives for Christ alone. That we would understand you are all. That you are worthy of our all. And Lord, that we would be brought to a renewed fellowship with you as a result. Lord, accomplish your purposes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask Jason if he'll come and lead us in the